there's been studies that people with less money are sometimes happier than people with more money. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because as I get more money, I feel more stress. Yeah. More money, more To try problems. to keep the money. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. Because now, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I've been driving an old Subaru that I love. I love my Subaru, mm-hmm. you know, the Subaru Outback. Your husband has the same one. Yeah. I, I love yeah, I love that car. It's a great car, but you know mm-hmm. what? I don't really care much about making sure that it stays clean. Mm-hmm. Now I have a luxury vehicle, and I'm so stressed out about it all the time. It's got bug goo on the front of it, you know, or yeah. oh no, the inside's dirty, or I can't let the dogs in this car because it'll mess it up because it's a luxury mm-hmm. vehicle, and it just came. It comes with all these new stressors. It's really yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and the Subaru got in, got out, put it in service, put it out of service, didn't really care. Just, yeah. it was fine. Yep. Yeah. But this car caused me so much stress. You are listening to the We Are Not Safe for Work podcast. Your hosts, Renee and Nadja, will dive into all the different reasons why some entrepreneurs become unemployable. And we're recording. Hi. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is how you and I always have something to talk about. Because yesterday, we, yesterday we were supposed to record, but we spent the whole time just chattering um, <laughs> about more personal things, I guess I could say. Yeah. And uh, before I knew it, I was like, well, I got to go. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So here we are today trying it again. So. Yes, yes, we are. But before before we jump into the topic that we want to talk about, yes, I need to know <laughs> your Barbie movie story. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so the weekend that the Barbie movie came out, at least I think it was the opening weekend, we went to Northeast Texas to see my mom. And um, we took, we have, <laughs> sounds weird, but we have some a, a set of adult twins that live with us. And they're family friends, and they moved in last year, and they've been staying with us. It's been a wonderful experience. And um, they they have gotten to know my mom, and so my mom wanted the twins to come to her house to see to see them. They're like thirty three years old, I think. Yeah, thirty two or thirty three. I don't mean to overage them, but regardless, <laughs> uh, my mom was like, you know, I really want you guys all to come see us. So we went to my mom's, and. I forgot tiny towns. Now, the town that I grew up in is not the town that she lives in now, but she lives right next to it. But okay. tiny towns, the town I came from, when I was growing up, we didn't even have a um, stoplight. We had oh a flashing red light in the center of what? town, but there were no stoplights. Now there's stoplights, which is really fascinating because it's grown so much. Yeah. But in the town that I came from, there was hardly anything there, as you can imagine, right? No, not even a stoplight. Um, we had a Dairy Queen and a Sonic. So if you wanted to go Those to the movies. though, in small towns. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Which, by the way, I cannot eat Dairy Queen or Sonic as an adult. I just can't. <laughs> I've had so much of it that there's just no room in my it's like repulsive to me. Right, the right. State. Yeah. Now, I can still drink. I love still love Sonic Ice. But, you know, so getting a drink and some t- tater tots, not the best I can do. But anyway, so if you want to go to the movies or do anything else, like go to Walmart or anything, you would go to the next town over. And it was, all, but it's also a small town, but bigger. It was the big town, you know, it had plenty of red lights. Um, 
did it have a Walmart? Yes. As a matter okay. of fact, funny that fact was one about of the that. things that yeah. I learned when I moved to the U.S. Like, what determines a town as small or like big is yeah. does it have a Walmart? <laughs> funny fact about that: um, this town I'm talking about is called Mount Pleasant, Texas, and um, I'm from Mount Vernon. the The bigger town, the big town, was Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant had the most profitable Walmart in the history of Walmart profit for many years, for like decades. I don't know if it's still true, but back when I was there, it was the most profitable Walmart because it was the only Walmart in a massive radius size. So it fed all of these small towns, which is coincidentally still the same Walmart that my mom goes shopping at when she goes grocery shopping now because she lives in Pittsburgh, Texas. Anyway, we went to the theater to see Barbie in Mount Pleasant. And Mount Pleasant is still a very small, old, Northeast Texas country town. And just the whole experience was uncomfortable in every possible way. Um, Because A, my mother and I have very different ideas on politics. Mm. And it turns out that the Barbie movie is very political. Did not know that before I, I went to it. Say, did you guys not know that going into it Mm-mm. at all? No, okay. not really. Didn't know much about it, to be honest. Yeah. I knew I really wanted to see it. Yeah. And I was really excited to see it. And we all right. wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. But I had no clue where it was going. And it was yeah, very I didn't, inc- I didn't know how political it was either. But um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved it. Andy and I loved it. We want to go see it again. We were trying to see if we could make a date night this weekend to go see it again because we really want to see it again in the theater before it leaves the theater. Um, and I loved it. It was amazing. There were so many opportunities in the, or so many times in the movie where I just literally wanted to stand up and do a standing ovation. But it was one of those moments where you realize where you are mm-hmm. and how no, and it was just this really strange tension so it was like me and andy who were just super into it and then this theater full of super right-wing leaning people including my mother and there was the strangest tension in this place but also interesting what else really struck me about it was this is where i went to see et this is when i wanted to go to the movies when i was a kid this is the same exact theater and it should be condemned because (laughs) no i'm not even kidding it was disgusting which is fine gross is gross you know we didn't know um i felt really bad taking my wife to that place but i didn't know and you would think they would remodel but we walk in and um at one point i had to go to the bathroom imagine that you know i have the tiniest bladder on the planet next to my mother (laughs) Thanks to my grandmother inherited these things. But anyway, I go to the bathroom and there's only two functioning stalls. It's like a four stall bathroom, but there's only two functioning stalls. So you wait outside because it's uncomfortable. There's also no AC in the bathroom. Oh, no. So, yeah. In Texas? Yeah, it was very uncomfortable and gross. And so anyway, I'm standing there outside of the toilet, outside of the bathroom, waiting for my opportunity to go in. And I just happened to look up and part of the ceiling is gone. What? And around the ceiling above us, it's caving in and there's just stuff coming out. And when we went in to sit, the theater 
like we kept having to skip seats. There was no assigned seating, you know, like in a theater here somewhere you right, picked the seats yeah. and it wasn't like that. So we went in, we picked a row and we kept having to skip seats and we couldn't all sit next to each other because seats were broken. Oh no. It was so strange. And so like the seat that I finally just gave up and sat in just was tilting. So like my right <laughs> hip was about six inches lower than my left hip. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And it was just a strange, it was a very surreal experience. Going home is not always everything you, you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would be a terrific business opportunity for someone to go in and just put together a, or uh, to, to create a theater where maybe the seats aren't broken and the, yeah. the ceiling's not caving in. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even see snacks for sale. I don't even know if that was a thing. I don't think that was a thing. I don't, I don't think I would have eaten from that place anyway, but there was nothing happening in this theater. It was, it was as if we went to a condemned building to watch a um, controversial movie. But the thing you that's know, so strange I was gonna say, that me, reminds me of the, did you ever, um, did you ever go to the dollar theaters? Yes. Okay. So that's the way you're describing it is how I'm remembering going to the dollar theater. Yeah. Let me college. tell you dollar theaters that I went to back in my college days were a luxury place compared to what we experienced. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I was like, I have been seriously contemplating if somebody, if I should call the fire marshal, but oh. how do they not know? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. such a small town. It's literally the only theater, but it also got me to thinking about something else. It's literally the only theater within probably 25 miles. Mm-hmm. So if it's the only theater within 25 miles, the what's have? the incentive yeah. yeah, to do anything about it? You know, um, I will say the sound was good and the, the screen quality was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. But it was recently I saw online when we were trying to because I couldn't remember the exact address. Um, I saw online that it had recently been bought out by some conglomerate and obviously they have no intentions or not even recently, uh, like a year or so ago. Um, So they clearly have no intentions of upgrading it, Mm. but well, maybe economics, they're spending their um, investment on making sure that the screen and sound quality that like, that's what they're upgrading, not necessarily Mm -hmm. the, the structure <laughs> right and, and it's just interesting because it one of the things that like my mom doesn't have the internet right so mm-hmm. because of where she lives she doesn't have the yeah. internet right right and i don't think when you don't have the internet you don't know the difference between some things like right because here if we see we can ch- we can actually go to the internet and choose which theater we're going to go to, right? right yeah. There's a lot more life choices living somewhere. Even though I live in a rural part of the Metroplex, it's not that rural, you know. Um, it, there was just, the movie itself was incredible, but the experience of seeing it there was a really good reminder to me that we're not all in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, perspectives 
do evolve based upon your circumstances as well, right? Yeah. Um, the kind of opportunities that you have in a small town are just not, which is why I left, are just not the same you're going to have in Houston or in Dallas area, mm -hmm. you know, Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, and so it, it's really important, I think, as we are thinking about decisions for the future and also perspectives on something such as a movie like that, Yeah, that we get caught up in our own space, but you go to a space like that and it's just different. It's just very different. Yeah. It was an uncomfortable, nothing about it was comfortable, which is okay. I don't think we're supposed to be comfortable all the time. Right. But I came out of it so excited and yeah. my mom was just silent. Oh my goodness. And, and see, yeah. my, my movie going experience to see the Barbie movie was very different. Like in our movie theater, people were cheering and you know there were there were parts of the movie where people just like broke into applause and that's what I heard about and you know like people were like yeah like actually cheering at the screen and then um other parts you know you could hear people sniffling because yeah they were I mean I was one of them I I ugly cried like it wasn't Did even you? just yeah. a, like tear coming down my face kind of thing it was a like I was sitting there going <gasps> And my daughter, who's sitting next to me, she was like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, so very different experiences. Very, very different. It was, I, I really wanted to be in the experience where people were cheering because there was so much to cheer about. Yeah. You yeah. know, there were so many amazing things in the movie. But if you, depending on your point of view of life, I can also see... I mean, let's be honest, I can understand why people that live in a more um, patriotic, not patriotic, patri I can never say the word, um, patriarch, patriarchy, yeah, patriarch. yeah. <laughs> environment could see that as insulting, you know, um, I can understand why some people were offended by the movie, mm -hmm. but I also think that was the point, not to oh, offend yeah. people, but to... Ken, in the movie, Ken was how most women are treated, you know? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. All they did was they flipped the roles. Mm -hmm. Like, usually, the hero is the man. He is the, the one that everybody worships and does all the things. And, it, it, you know, that the, the male is in the position of power. And mm -hmm. female is kind of like a side character. And so they did not like seeing it from that perspective because they're not used to seeing it from that perspective. They're never, they can't relate to being in the sidecar. They can't relate to being a side character. Right. Right. And I, and I think it, it is definitely... It has hit me different because I think I think about a lot of things in terms of how does this, you know, like what is the impact of certain things going to be? I'll, I'll give you, I don't know if this is going to make any sense or not, but, you know, there is a, um, I believe there is still a tribe of people like, I don't know, somewhere in the jungle that um, is undisturbed, right? Mm -hmm. That we've only observed them a couple of people that have ever gone in to observe them in person. And then we've only observed them through the air. Yeah. Right. And 
as if people and they've been protected to, mm-hmm. to stay that way. And I think yep. that that's beautiful. And I think about these, one of the things that Biden, President Biden has made an initiative is to get internet to rural America, which I think mm-hmm. is fantastic, especially yeah. for me. Um, I, I look forward to all of these people wanting to search for recipes and cooking tips. Um, so to me, I'm banking on this happening. I, I expect it to happen. But also, I do wonder what it's going to do to the culture. I know everyone has a cell phone, so people understand and, and see things on their their, their phones. Yeah. But even some places out there, the data doesn't just doesn't work. Like, my phone just didn't work at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very spotty at best. Yeah. And so I do wonder... As more people become, come online in these rural areas, what will that impact be to society? Will it change? Like if that movie had been released 10 years from now, would it change? Would the perspective be different? Um, will things be more equal there? Mm-hmm. I do really wonder what that's going to do. Yeah. Um, well, access to information makes a huge difference. And that's the reason why keeping people uneducated and ignorant mm-hmm. is what powerful people want to do because an empowered and educated crowd yeah. is so much stronger because they'll question things. They'll ask questions. They want people that do not ask questions because they don't know any better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was weird. Was that? So... Where were we? What were we talking about? I mean, tech issues throw a wrench in everything, yeah. right? Um, no, we were just, I, I, I can't even remember. We were talking about different experiences, different yeah. walks of life. Um, yeah. The Barbie. I think. <laughs> the patriarchy. Oh, the um, the tribes in oh, Amazon right. that have been untouched by civilization. Yeah. So it's like, I think. And listen, this is, first of all, if you found the movie um, insulting, I actually, I understand. I really do. I get it. Everything is about perspectives. I get it. I, um, right. I don't think the point wasn't to insult men. The point was to use Ken as a play for how women are treated and to make it feel uncomfortable. That mm-hmm. was the point. Um, Right. And so if you come from small town America and you're offended by the movie, I have all respect for that. But shame on me, mm-hmm. who is as liberal as they possibly can come, going to small town America and watching such a movie. You know, really, <laughs> this is my fault. Shame on me. There were other movie choices, and that's the one we chose. And um, yep, I did my best not to impact anybody else's experience by hooting and hollering. And there was no hooting and hollering, and I thought there should have been, and it was very uncomfortable <laughs> for me. Um, pretty sure everyone else's experience was also uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be an interesting time seeing. I I feel like the internet is like reading, especially depending on how you use it, right? But it's it's it can be enlightening. It can change perspectives. It can. I came from this place, Absolutely. and I left this place because. I didn't hold the same kind of views, you know, and, um, and that's yeah. not just because I'm gay. It's just because that's how I see the world. I just didn't agree with those point right. of views. And, um, 
I love men. I think men are amazing human beings, but I don't think that they should just naturally by their pure existence rule the world. And so I also think that's partially on women that need to um, behave differently as well. So with that said, we should talk about money. (laughs) You know, yes, we should. And actually this is a good segue because I just wanted to add something real quick that um, my husband and I have had this conversation many times before because uh, as you and I have said in a previous episode, you know, we we do, you and I come from Mm -hmm. very different backgrounds and um, like I am, I'm Filipino and I'm married to a white guy. So our kids are, um, you know, they're, they're blended. <laughs> and there there were many times when they were still babies where people just automatically assume when they see us all together, they assume I'm <laughs> I the forgot nanny. about that. I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So they assume I'm the nanny. And um, he and I have talked about it before how that thought just never crosses his mind. Like these things never mm-hmm. cross his mind about being judged or having judgment or even thinking like, oh, if I see a biracial couple, like I don't immediately assume that the not white person is the nanny mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but he has said he's like, I I've grown up very privileged and I I have the perspective of a white male. So he he knows it. And he says, I, I am at the top of the food chain. I have no perspective when it comes to judgment of, I mean, not just racism, sexism you know, as well. but just, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Sexism as well. So he's like, I am a white male. I have no room to pass any sort of judgment. Well, you know, another thing in the movie that I thought was interesting. Uh, well, there were so many things, but in that relation, yeah. So in that things. relation, um, when Ken did discover the patriarchy and he tried to implement it, of course he did, because we all do our best to be our best version of ourselves. But if we can have more power mm-hmm. as a human, we generally want to seek it out so that we can have it. Um, mm-hmm. how, what we do with it yep. may vary by person to person, but we definitely want to have more of it. It's why we all want to have more money. It's why we yeah. strive for more um success right mm-hmm. and so he wanted the power of course he had no idea Speaking what to do with it. money and success <laughs> yeah, yeah he didn't know what to do well i mean that's that's a great segue so speaking of money and success like that's that's kind of the topic that we wanted to dive into today because money perspective success like all all of that is based on perspective you know like every single person has a different definition of what success looks like what it looks like to have a Mm -hmm. lot of money like what having a lot of money or not enough money means you know like these are all based on perspective and experience well you know it's funny because if you think about what I said about going to the movie I mean to me the most bizarre part of it was the condition of the theater Obviously, the people who mm-hmm. bought out this theater had money to buy the theater, which could imply, well, even yeah. if by um, taking out a loan against the property, they most likely have enough money to make it at least a safe place to be, not a condemned building. 
but the incentive is clearly not there for them to do that, which I find fascinating. Yeah, it's not their priority. That's right. So it's not a priority for them to just because they have money to improve the environment of their properties. And I, and I found that, so I've been thinking a lot about that. I find that really interesting because my first thought was, oh my God, this is a real business opportunity. You could come in here um, mm -hmm. right next to it. There's just an empty concrete lot, something that used to be there, who knows what. And you could build a new theater literally next to it and people could have a shiny new theater or this theater. Obviously they're gonna go to the shiny new theater, but I realized, well, that doesn't make yeah. business sense. Because for a 25 mile, and I don't know if that's exactly right, but we'll just say it for the sake of conversation, for maybe a 25 mile radius, this is the only theater. So if you want to see a movie, you go to this theater. So there's zero incentive to build something better next to it. So the people in power are choosing to profit instead of improve. And I, I think that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if the if the condemned built or not condemned building, but if the state of the building was the perception was it was mm -hmm. like a condemned building, right? Like, let's say that's in a middle in the middle of a very affluent area, the priority would be to fix it up because they want those rich people. That's a good point. To yeah, be coming to the movie theater and spending their money, so that would become the priority. But if it's in the middle of a small town where like you said, there are no other choices within a 25 mile radius, then people are going to put up with stuff. Like they'll put up with things if they don't have to drive 30 miles to go right. see a movie, right. you know? Yeah. That's, that's the problem with power as well. So yeah, it, it, it's mm -hmm. just interesting. It just brought up a lot of things because the movie itself, the experience, it just brought up a lot of questions about society and power and, I feel really bad because when we were there, there were some young girls that were so excited to see the movie and they were in their Barbie garb, you know, teenagers, right? Like probably 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And they were taking pictures next to the movie poster. And I was just like, I can't believe this has to be their experience. It's so sad to me that this, oh, this place yeah, yeah. was their experience and they're still excited and taking pictures. And I'm like, Oh man, I know. <laughs> yeah. So. But also they don't know right. any better. Or you have, to, you have to assume that they don't right. know any better. Which, you know, have have you ever seen, I feel like I've heard some studies. Or I'm sorry. I, I should rephrase that because I feel like that was really judgy. It's not that they don't know any better. They don't know any different. Right. That's what I yeah. Mean. And I, I know what you meant, but I'm glad you clarified it. But I, there was been studies that people with less money are sometimes happier than people with more money. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because as I get more money, I feel more stress. Yeah. More money, more To try problems. to keep the money. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. Because now, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I've been driving an old Subaru that I love. I love my Subaru, you mm -hmm. know, the Subaru Outback. Your husband has the same one. Yeah. I, yeah. I love, yeah, I love that car. It's a great car, but you know mm -hmm. what? I don't really care much about making sure that it stays clean. Mm-hmm. Now I have a luxury vehicle and I'm so stressed out about it all the time. It's got bug goo on the front of it, you know, or, yeah. oh no, the inside's dirty, or I can't let the dogs in this car because it'll mess it up because it's a luxury vehicle. And it just came, it comes with all these new stressors. It's really yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and the Subaru got in, got out, put it in service, put it out of service, didn't really care. 
just yeah. it was fine yep yeah but this car caused me so much stress yeah. well it's kind of like um i mean i i assume that you you know of um neil uh, is it neil patel no not neil patel um he's the i will teach you to be rich guy Oh, Ramit Sethi. Ramit Sethi. Okay, so you know of Ramit Sethi, obviously, because you corrected me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so um, Ramit Sethi, one of the things that I love that he harps on all the time, and it, it, it's almost repetitive because I feel like he's constantly saying, saying the same thing over and over and over again, is that you design your own rich life. Like, rich is your definition of what rich is. So if your right. rich life means that you spend more money on um, like a nicer house versus spending money on cars and clothes and all that kind of stuff, then that is your rich life. If your rich life is spending money on experiences versus having the bigger and nicer house or the mm -hmm. luxury vehicle, then that is your rich life. But I love that he says your rich life is your own. It's not what everybody else thinks it should be. It is right. It is you. Like, what do you prioritize? So if your priority is like, if you're a foodie and you want to spend money on food, do it because it makes you happy. <laughs> don't, you know don't sit here and think that just because you can't afford to buy a house and that's not your, pri your priority is not buying a house, but your priority is having all these food experiences. Don't let people bully you into thinking that you are being frivolous with your money because you want to so right a on. Michelin star restaurant. You know what I mean? Like I, just I do love that about him. I know a guy, um, Jason Baja Mundi is his name. I'll never forget his name. He used to uh, work for me years ago um, when I owned a website company and social media company. He was our sales guy. And um, <clears throat> him and his wife are super into fitness, like outrageously into fitness. They're, um, I know they're vegetarian. I think they're vegan. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but super duper into fitness. And in specifically, they're, he's into triathlons and she's into long distance running. Okay. And so they used to have a house. They moved here from New York City and they got a house. And they got married and they got a house and, you know, the whole thing you're supposed to do. But they realized that the house was getting in the way of their fitness love. So mm. they sold their house, which most people think is crazy. And they moved into an apartment just big enough for them. Okay. And so they just have an apartment and their life is centered around their fitness hobbies. And right. that's it. So he spends more on a bicycle than some people will spend on, you know, I don't know what, but right, like ten, yeah. twenty thousand dollar bikes, right? Yeah. But um, so he bought a car, a vehicle, not a car, an SUV, specifically for his bicycle mm, because yeah. he didn't want his bicycle hanging off the back of his vehicle yep. because his bicycle was worth more than his car at the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he bought a new SUV that fit. He didn't go out and buy an SUV that he thought was going to be like the coolest SUV or the best. He bought it. He took his bike and said, this bike fits best in this SUV. Mm -hmm. So he went SUV shopping to fit his bike. And yeah. that has never um, left me because him and his wife figured out what was most important to them. Yep. And everything in their life centers around that reality. 
Yeah. And I and think I that's think, interesting. I think that's the way it should be, right? Like, I agree. Whatever, yeah, whatever you're, it, it shouldn't be about keeping up with the Joneses because that gets so many people into trouble. That's why people go into debt because they want mm-hmm. to appear a certain way to other people that when you really think about it, I mean, once again, it's easy, it's always easier said than done. Like it's easier to think, oh yeah, that's logical, but you also can't control your thoughts. You know, like who cares what other people think if you don't have the fanciest car or who cares what people think if you don't have um, designer furniture, you know, like who cares? But at the same time, it's hard not to care. Well, it's true. And I think to your point, like, I, I just want to talk about this a little bit because like I just said, I, I own a luxury vehicle now, but the reason that I own a luxury vehicle is not because, oh my God, I got enough money and I wanted to get a luxury vehicle. No, matter of fact, the price of the damn thing is killing me, but <laughs> I got a luxury vehicle because my wife ended up with severe, severe, really bad sciatica and it was debilitating for her. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went, bowling and we each hurt ourselves and um (laughs) yeah no it's the truth yeah as a matter of fact I went bowling with a group of my friends and every single one of us this was several years ago anyway every single one of us walked away injured and has remained oh my goodness that's crazy I'm like that's a sign for people that are severely out of shape because they spend too much time on the computer but that's a whole other conversation regardless when we couldn't get spend hardly any time at all in a vehicle in our Subaru in particular without her just being seriously uncomfortable. So I said, okay, let's buy the car that is going to be the most comfortable car that we can, money will buy, that we can buy, Mm -hmm. that will make her life better. And so I didn't buy a luxury vehicle because, oh, look at me. I bought a luxury vehicle because it made our life significantly better. And now it is. We go all over the place and it's great. And it it works really well for her. It sits well for her. And, um, and she's doing better in general anyway now, but that's why I bought the car. Right. Not because I'd suddenly came into money. Um, Cause I'm still the same person that wears $10 pants from CVS because yeah. they're my favorite. Yeah. So. so I, I'm, uh, I, I love that you brought up like your $10 pants from a CVS or whatever, <laughs> because I am the person that I will spend hundreds of dollars on shoes. Me too. But I will, I will hit the bargain racks for my clothes. Yeah, same. Because to me, I'm like, well, clothes, they go out of style so quickly. And, it, you know, if I'm going to wear these clothes, I take care of my clothes too. So I still mm-hmm. have clothes from, you're going to laugh because I get made fun of about this all the time. I have clothes from high school. So I have clothes yeah. from high school and college because I, I have been very fortunate that I haven't changed size and weight very much like as I've gotten older I I will thank my Filipino genetics on that that's to say that's genetics (laughs) yeah so that's definitely genetics because my my diet yeah it's not the greatest um by the way let's point something out you you've brought this up before and I just want to say it as a little pin just because you're skinny doesn't mean you're healthy. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just because somebody is thin does not mean that they are healthy. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but I just wanted to put that out there. Oh, um, your conversation. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah. So because I do take care of my clothes, you know, I, I still have things from high school and college that A, I still fit into and B, are still in good condition. And it's not because I 
you know, spent a shit ton of money on the most expensive fabrics or whatever. I mean, there I do have a couple of clothing items that are very pricey. Like, I can't believe that mm-hmm. I spent that much money on them or whatever. But mm-hmm. obviously, like, it for the long term, like, for um, when I worked in corporate, yeah, I went ahead and spent a little bit more money to, to buy the more expensive, um, like, blazer because I knew right. that I could use right. that over and over and over again for multiple different outfits, but it gave me that professional, you know, the, the professional sure. look or whatever. Um, and I figured that out quickly because before, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time at Forever 21 thinking, yeah, you know, in my 20s, I'm like, I go into Forever 21 and then I'm like, oh, this makes me look so professional. Like, look how professional I look. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no it didn't. Especially if it, you know, it starts tearing at the seams or whatever. And then now I have right. to either fix it or throw it out. So um, I learned pretty early on that, okay, certain things you need to buy the better quality. But I will never cheap out on shoes. Or at least now I will never cheap out mm-hmm. on shoes. Um, because after having my foot surgery, so I had surgery on my foot to remove a mass that was growing um, around a bundle of nerves and blood vessels in my foot. So going from like the recovery process of that made me realize just how important it was to take care of my feet because just being on foot, like just being on one foot and you know me, I'm super active. I'm really involved in everything that my kids do for activities and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I struggled during that recovery period because there were so many things that I could not do on my own. Yeah. And so, yeah. So now I take really good care of my feet because I don't want to get to that point again. <laughs> I don't want to get to a point where I'm dependent on other people for help because I am only on one foot. Yeah. I mean, I have the exact same situation. I've always spent a lot on shoes because I've had multiple knee surgeries mm-hmm. and I have weird birth defects with my knees. So standing is painful or it can be. Um, And then when we moved to this house, it's all tile floor. And I didn't realize how much of an impact that would make. Yeah. You got to put coming from the, um, the the laminate flooring had Uh more cushion. I didn't know that. I I had no idea. And so the first week, yeah. Oh yeah. The first week in this house, I was in so much debilitating pain. I went to the doctor. I was, I was in bad shape. With wow. my knees and I was like what the hell is it the move what you know what what's going on yeah and so the recommendation was for me to get better shoes and I did and now I have um like five pairs of hokas and every mm-hmm. day I wear a different pair yeah um not because oh I'm trying to be cool or stylish it's so that the shoes can recover yeah and um I don't hardly have other than if the weather's bad I don't hurt anymore mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's a good use of money. I think that to Ramit's point, designing your life around your money. And I know that sounds easy for somebody that doesn't is struggling with money, but we're struggling with money too. Yeah. But we have to choose what's most important. Well, right, exactly. Yeah, so, so. That, that's the same for us. So like our priorities are um I I kind of touched upon it before. So in our family, like our core priorities are experiences. We would rather spend money on experiences than things. So mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. a lot of people um I'm sure they judge us because we will buy furniture from IKEA 
you know, because it's yeah, me too. It's cheap, but it, it looks nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's not it's not like designer furniture or whatever. Um, but our our priorities are in the experiences. Like we want our kids to have experiences. Our children have been so fortunate that they've been to other countries, you right. know, and there are kids in their that are in the same ages that probably have never even left the state or the city that they live in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. We prioritized experiences because I grew up fortunate in that we traveled a lot and going, going to other countries was always a huge treat, you know, but I loved being able to experience like other cultures. I loved being able to experience what it was like being in another country Um, Mm -hmm. where everything was different, you know, like I grew up in Australia, but we would go home to the Philippines and the Philippines is a very, very different environment than Australia. And, you know, like the Philippines is considered a third world country, but there, there's, there's a very stark, um, difference in class if you want to like put it in really simple terms. And that's Um, not classiness. That's. Right. It's, it's like, you can see the extreme poverty right next to the extreme wealth. Right. So you have people that are literally living in shacks, like they're squatters because they don't own the land, but they've built 10 shacks. So they have somewhere to live out of the elements and they like, they hijack the electrical lines, you know, so they have some electricity in there. Like, it's crazy how it is. Almost right. sounds like you're describing Skid Row in LA, which I've never seen personally, but I've never seen, per- I've never seen Skid Row either. But yeah, so it's, it's basically like the extreme poverty right next to like these beautiful homes that are like multi-stories and um, all concrete, right? With right. These gorgeous gardens. Land is very, very scarce in the Philippines because it's, you know, the Philippine islands are, oh, what is it? I can't even remember. It's like 7,500 islands make up. Oh gosh. I have no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So land is very scarce. And if you own a lot of land, you are considered very wealthy. Yeah. Interesting. So I love that I was able to have those experience. We value the experiences over the things. And so we would rather our kids have experiences too. So they, they don't have like the latest and greatest phones, right? Like they don't have the latest and greatest iPhone. No, I went on woot.com and I bought them iPhone sevens. <laughs> like, Oh wow. The, yeah. oldest, the oldest version of iPhones you can possibly get right now. Um, yeah. and, and I told them it's because this is not for playing games on these are emergency phones. So you have a way to contact us in case of an emergency. Right. Um, yeah. and they don't have like designer clothes or anything like that i will admit that i did spend a little bit of money buying them shoes because once again shoes are very important to me so um like taking care of your feet is is an important thing to me so i want to impart that level of importance to my kids and um yeah but we'll we'll go to we'll go to target and i'll buy them the five ten dollar you know leggings and t-shirts graphic t-shirts or whatever Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um yeah, I'll I'll stand there and be like, oh, this shirt is twenty two dollars. Why is it twenty two dollars <laughs> yeah. at Target? Yeah, totally. you know? like, 
Well, I have two things. One, um, going back to where I grew up, I grew up with people that never left like within 40 minutes of home Mm -hmm. until they were in their mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Um, I asked my, my wife, I said, told her that we were going to have this conversation about money today. And we have this saying, um, which we have not achieved, but we have this saying that we say to each other almost every single day. First, get a million dollars, then start a business. Um, (laughs) Elaborate. I I laugh because, yeah, I I know. Yeah, I I only laugh because we did not do that. But it seems to me, and I would be curious to know your thoughts on this. um, If you were, if you had someone come to you and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business, you know, let's just say digital, let's not even go into physical business. Let's just say a digital business. That's how we get to the first half a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got to have money in the bank so that you have time, you have a runway to make money. Absolutely. One of the things that we did wrong was trying to live off of it too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has caused us a lot of stress. And part of that was circumstance, you know. Right. right. Um, but what would you advise to someone in regards to money, if they were going to start a business? I mean, yeah, I, I would probably suggest the same thing, knowing what I know now. Because um, if you really think about it, like a lot of people that go into entrepreneurship, it's because they're in a job earning money, right? And mm-hmm. they think that they can earn more. Mm-hmm. Like I can earn more or I can earn the same doing this on my own. And that's a great start. That's a great mentality to have. Yes, you absolutely can earn the same amount or more on your own doing the same thing, like working for yourself versus working for a company. But the only reason that you were able to do that is because you are currently earning money so you can invest time to grow your business on the side. And you and I have talked about this many, many times before, but I I, I always say there are only two currencies in this life you pay with money or you pay with time. Mm. So if you have, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the time to do something, you're going to spend money to get something done. Like if you do not have the time to clean your house, you are going to pay somebody money to clean your house or vice versa. If you, if you don't have the money to pay someone to clean your house, you are going to spend time cleaning your own house. So those are the two currencies of life and it's a balancing act. That's not something that you can necessarily integrate unless you have like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, fuck you level money, you know, like, (laughs) right, right. Fuck you money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got to have that kind of, that kind of money to be able to be like, oh yeah, I can integrate, I can integrate like the time and the money currency. Yeah. You absolutely can because you don't have to worry about it, but the majority of people have to balance the time and money argument all the time. Everything mm-hmm. is a choice. And that's why I always say too, that choice is what brings power, right? You have power when you have a choice, right? Right. You have the choice between spending money and spending time. You have power. If you have no choice, 
where you have to spend money or you have to spend time, that's that's where people really struggle. And I, I think that's where the desperation sinks in too, like where a lot of people jump into entrepreneurship, they start their own business, um, they think that, oh, okay, well, now I'm making enough, I can quit my job and I can go all in on this, not yeah. realizing that without a without a runway of a safety net, like I know that there are a lot of people out there that say you've got to have skin in the game and like cutting, like burning the bridge will make you like hunger for it more. And it'll Mm -hmm. give you the drive to like really reach the the level of success that you need or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's all good and well to say, but especially in this economy, like that's not, that's not really the, um, it, it's not not the safest. What am I trying to say? It's it's not it's too dangerous to give that type of advice. Because now right. now you are messing with people's livelihoods. I agree. Like I've heard over the years people say, well, because people say, well, you need to have a runway. Yeah. Right? Which I totally agree with. But then people ask the question, how much runway? Well, mm-hmm. the number that I hear all the time is six months. And I'm like, dude, that's, that can't be true. That just can't, that can't be true. Yeah. Um, because I think that there's multiple kinds of businesses too. And I think part of it depends on what kind of business you have. If you have a business with clients mm-hmm. and you leave with clients, that's great. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you lose 50% of your clients? Because right. there is churn, right? Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. you're in a situation like mine where you are dependent on ad revenue, right? right? What if ad revenue drops, which is what happened to us this year, right? Yeah. Um, so I I really think the reason that we joke all the time, first get a million dollars is because million dollars is not enough to retire on. It sounds like this massive number, right? Oh, it's and not. I haven't achieved it yet. It so is it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't achieved it yet, so I can't say how it feels. I but was say, I know broke millionaires. Like I exactly. know that sounds, it sounds like a, a a contradiction, but no, there are millionaires who are broke. Right, but if you do it right and you have, let's say, in theory, if you had a million dollars, it floats you so mm-hmm. that you can operate during down years. Exactly, because I I've been doing this for a while now. And we have good years yep. and we have years like this year that are yep. really, really bad years. Right. And yeah. so I have started transitioning my thinking about money personally, and this is just for me, but I think that if somebody is starting out, they should think the same way. I'm now trying to think about money on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who's making 13, 14, $15 an hour, that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. Right. right. Cause yeah. you're just trying to make it to the next payday. Exactly. And that's okay because what you can start thinking about then is what is the next payday? What can I do between now and the next payday to mm-hmm. save up a little bit for the, you know, just to have a little bit of savings, $5, whatever yeah. it is for the next payday. Cause now I have to think about money next year. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, our revenue fluctuates so dramatically month by month. Yeah. And now I'm noticing as we make more and we have more success with the blogs that now my revenue is fluctuating year by year mm-hmm. dramatically. This year is going to be about 50% of what it was last year. Right. And if I have that again next year, we're done. That's it. It's the end yeah. of it for us. We'll be yeah. out of business. 
Well, and there, but, there needs to be that mentality shift too, because like you said, um, you're thinking about it on a year to year basis, right? But right. Like, but that is the entrepreneur mindset or that is the business owner mindset. The business owner yeah. is looking at the big picture and they're looking at the long-term repercussions and or rewards, right? Um, mm -hmm. When you are still in a nine to five, like an employee mindset really is like six, a six month runway for an employee is great. That is sure. amazing. Oh, absolutely. Because like, if you get laid off, you could probably exactly. find another job. You have a you have a safety net. And six right. months safety net for an employee is phenomenal. I mean, like there's a lot of people that don't even have a three-month safety net uh, sure. as employees. And so like having a one-month safety net is, is a huge accomplishment, you know? But that's the reason why people like Dave Ramsey, they always recommend having a – you, you know, having your emergency fund, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, just to start is three months, but he right. recommends, yeah, if you can get it to six months or a year and that's your emergency fund, great. And the emergency fund is basically like what you, what you make and spend on essentials every single mm -hmm. month, you can live off of that for the next six months to a year right. without changing anything. But, you know, it's funny. If you think about that, that sounds so fanciful. Right? It does. And it but is. When you For were... a lot of people, it is so out of touch, right? Exactly. I mean, if you're on a fixed income, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, I used to think of a fixed income when I'd hear that phrase. I just thought that meant people on Social Security. But now I understand that also means people in corporate America as well. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so if you're on a fixed income, trying to save six months it's such a crazy thought. Yeah, it almost feels insulting to be able yeah. to, to even set it aside. Right. Like you've got yeah, to your means. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first got into blogging from at, at the, at the level that I'm at now yeah. and I started talking to other highly successful bloggers, people way above me, they, I kept hearing this concept of most bloggers make the next year's income in Q4. So what they make in Q4 is what they live off of the future year. Yeah. So um, I think that's interesting because if you were to think of your life like that, that might be the only way to save money. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, how do you ever save if you're living off of what you make? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, another thing Andy told me, to bring up was that for years while I was trying this business thing, she kept a job and supported us. So yep. we lived off of very, very little for two people because we lived purely off of her income mm -hmm. and I made hustle money here and there right. until suddenly she was able to leave her job because of my income. Right. And now we wonder if that was wise considering the year that we're having, but um, I don't know. But well, you made I think you made the best decision. You you made the best decision for your family at the time with the information that you had. Mm -hmm. So don't don't ever look at look back on it with regret because yeah, it's easy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's always easy, always. easy to look back and be like, oh, this is what I should have done differently, or we should have done things this way instead of that way. So it's always easy to look back like that. But in in the moment that you were in, 
with oh, the yeah. information that you had, that was the best decision for you guys. Sure. And the other thing that we did before she did that was we got completely out of debt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we got completely out of debt. We saved um, enough money to live for, I think, three years. And also, um, <laughs> sounds so ridiculous saying all this out loud, but we saved enough to live, I think, for three years. We got completely out of debt. And when the, in my business was making enough to pay the bills, that's when she came into, you know, she left her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about that, though, is it sucks because you want to do the exciting thing of hurry all of that along, right? You want to go all in because the thing that you hear so much, like you said earlier, is you got to have some skin in the game. Yeah. Well, I think that's dangerous advice. I think so too. Yeah. Um, But I think the thing is, as your income grows, so do your expenses, Mm -hmm. whether it's team or just general bills. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I used to pay like $100 a year for hosting and now I pay $300 a month. So you have to account for things like that too. And that's just one example. But all of that starts to add up as well. So Yeah. Well, and once again, you know, like, um, no money, more problems, right? Um, the, Absolutely. The, the priority levels, they do shift every single time. So, like, if I looked back at my business when I was still working in corporate America, you know, like, the the things that I'm currently spending money on would seem insane back then. Like, yeah. thinking about, you know, like, paying for paying for coaching, right? Like, yeah. Back in 2014, paying $2,500 a month for coaching would have sounded insane to me. It's like, that's more, that's like three times my mortgage at the time. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like paying that much, but at the same time, like you you get to different stages of your business you get to different stages of life where now the investments that you're making that's that's how you look at spending money when you're in an employee mindset you're not looking at it as you're not looking at your spending as investments you're looking at your spending as this is money leaving and then this is what i get back in return mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you're just looking at the one to one exchange Like I pay this and I get this immediately. Um, But like recently, I don't know if you saw it, but Amanda Bond, we love Bond. Oh, yes. She is our spirit animal. Like that's right. We are so excited with her. Amanda Bond, we love you. Um, We love Amanda Bond. Bond recently shared, um, you know, an insight where she was saying, when you go to college, you pay for your education, right? So Mm -hmm. you used you spent like you you earn 15 credit hours let's let's just do an average on average you earn 15 credit hours per semester right and you need right. at least four semesters to be able to graduate with a degree or not four semesters i'm sorry um, four years four years yeah so yeah. if you think about that you have spent four years of your life paying for an education so you can graduate with this piece of paper that says you have mastered this educational level, right? Right. With all of the digital courses, digital education, how freely information is accessible because of the internet, once again, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
people are just in this state of mind where I learn I spent two hours learning this thing. I should be an expert at it now. That's not the case. That's right. not how it works. You know, like that's that's two hours. That is a class, barely. That's two classes. You went to class twice and now you're an expert at it. Like people don't look at their personal development, personal growth, um, continuing education. They don't look at it in the same way as going to college, but they really should because you need to agree that much time into gaining the knowledge to actually say, I know what I'm talking about. Whenever I wanted to learn SEO, I didn't have any money none you know mm-hmm. we were broke i mean i went to food banks broke you know right and um so the only thing i had was the internet so what i did and this is something that i would recommend that everyone do is that i literally went back then the big thing was this was years ago now um the big thing was to give away ebooks in exchange for newsletter signups mm-hmm So what I did was I went to every single website that I could possibly find and I downloaded every free ebook that I could possibly find. I went on Amazon and I got every $0 ebook that was even slightly related to SEO. And I think I read, I think it was a hundred ebooks on SEO. Yeah. And, um, that was how I learned it. And at the time, I was not doing well, so I went and and tried to find a job, and I put this as part of my resume that I had done this, Mm -hmm. and man, I had a job immediately because I had spent more time on learning this topic than almost anyone, you know, um, in in the same stratosphere. I am nodding my head emphatically. You guys can't see it, but I'm like, reach. (laughs) Yeah, and so whenever I wanted to learn blogging, That's what I did too. I didn't have money at the time to spend. But let me tell you, every step of the way, every time I did have money, I spent it on learning the next level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have two choices in life. You can do nothing or you can find a way to educate yourself. Yeah. And that education gives you the edge. Um, Yeah that other people don't have and people just don't think of it that way. So Amanda's so right, man. Yeah. And not just education, but also think about like critical thinking because it's one thing to learn things and then say, oh, well, I learned this. And so this is the way it is. You need to also have the additional step or the additional awareness to learn something and then question it like, okay, well, but where did this where did this come from? Where did this uh, thought, you know, arise? How, how mm-hmm. was it proven? Mm-hmm. Like, these are the things you need to be able to ask those questions too, and not take everything at face value. Because I think that's the big danger. Um, I mean, I, I, I keep, I, I feel like I keep saying everything's dangerous. <laughs> like everything's dangerous well, right now. To your but, point, I also would put it all into practice. Yes. Yes. It's it's one thing to learn all the things, but yeah, you absolutely need to put it into practice. You absolutely need to get that experience, but also, yeah, look at it through a uh, critical lens, you know, um, of just because one person says it's this way doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. You know, try yeah. 
different perspectives. So going back to the whole perspectives and choices and options, like that's where your power lies. When you figure out that there are multiple ways to get to the same place, like that's that you're, you're halfway there already. Like if you know that there are multiple avenues to get to the same destination, that that's a great step into entrepreneurship, but also into the whole money situation. Like every, everybody has the ability to make a million dollars. Everybody takes mm-hmm. very different ways to get there. Absolutely. And, you know, back to your point, though, about time and money, something else that I think about a lot is a conversation that I had with Kate, Kate Erickson from um, Entrepreneur on Fire. Entrepreneurs. We also love Kate. Yeah, we love Kate. <laughs> so um, a conversation I had with Kate years ago, I'll never forget it. And I think about it almost every single day. Because one of the things with entrepreneurship and money is that you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices, right? So mm-hmm. like, like we talked about with shoes, I can't have the nicest pants and the nicest shoes. Mm-hmm. So I have the best shoes I can get for my feet and the cheapest pants that stay together, you know, Um, there's always sacrifices. But Kate talked about when her and John still lived in California and they had an apartment right on the beach and they were trying to build up their business and they had nothing. They were, you know, nowhere. It was super new. She'd literally just started. They, I think she was working on a a TV tray Mm -hmm. in their apartment and she said that she could see she's a real outdoorsy person. Super. I don't know if there's a person on this planet that's more outdoorsy than her. I mean, I, I would know, suggest right? she's. Yeah. Even, yeah. I would say that she's even more so than John, but her husband. But um, she would sit there and she could see the beach and all these people. And there was one time where she literally saw her family, her parents, and her, I think it was her sister and nieces walking by their apartment, having the best time. And she was sitting there working and it was a Sunday. And she told herself that she had to sit there and work because she was sacrificing something that most people will never sacrifice Mm -hmm. for a future that most people will never have. Right. And I think about that a lot because as you well know, for years, Andy and I lived in this tiny little house that we hated Mm -hmm. and we sacrificed and had hardly anything in our lives for a long time while I sat there and blogged and worked on blogging and learned blogging. And I started at the very beginning knowing nothing, but I had a passion and we had a shared dream of a different life and we weren't going to get it by working our corporate little jobs for, you know, 50 grand a a year. We just wasn't, we we just weren't going to get there. And I think about that sacrifice and you can't have it all at once. Usually speaking, unless you win the lotto and that doesn't seem to go well for people, Mm -hmm. but I'd like to give it a try. But um, yeah, Um, I think that there's a lot of lottery. That's another thing that I think is a very dangerous like (laughs) rabbit hole to go down because I I was reading about, um, you know, like when the lottery hit like one point two billion or however insane amount it was. um, It got that high. Yes, it was like it was over a billion dollars, and <laughs> wow, okay, were spending their child support money on lottery tickets, no. thinking, thinking, oh well, if I spend my child support money on this, like on lottery tickets, it's going to pay me back tenfold. Well, first of all, 
you can't like I understand there's like the laws of abundance and there's like manifestation and things like that. Like lots of people believe in that, but you can't manifest a a lottery like uh, jackpot winning, right? Like the chances of you winning that it's all chance. Yes. (laughs) And you can't go into it thinking like, if I just want it really, 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 really bad. Like if I want it, then the the laws of manifestation and attraction will just make me have okay everybody wants it everybody wants it just as much if not more than you do that's right <laughs> so please that's don't right. spend your child support money please do not spend your life savings on lottery tickets that's just my little soapbox for right now because that was very upsetting to me when i was reading about people spending their child support money oh i'm God. like your poor child your child needs that <laughs> Or children, you know? Yes, totally. Oh, my Lord. Sorry, that's terrifying. No, no. That's, yeah, but, you know, going into uh, manifesting, we we had these affirmations that we said for years and um, that were money affirmations. But the thing that I think that they did, they felt a little creepy because some of that stuff can feel <laughs> creepy, but we did it anyway because we just, we wanted to focus. Sure. But the thing that it did is that manifestations or at least in affirmations, I should say, I don't know about manifestations, affirmations provide a daily focus on your goals, right? Yes. It help, I believe that they don't bring magic, they bring attention. And when I say attention, I'm talking about focus. your attention, yep. my attention, right? I think that they refocus us. I mm-hmm. think that they remind us of what is most important to us. I absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah. And they're not magic. Right. There is no such thing as luck. I've been thinking about a Facebook post. I want to write about this issue. I don't believe in luck. I, I think moments happen and people capitalize on them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people let moments slip by instead of capitalizing on them. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and people everything, that, go ahead. You know, you have to take action, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. You can wish as hard as you want but if you do if you take no actions towards whatever it is you want it's never going to happen like i'm sorry but it's not you can pray you can light candles you can burn sage you can have a crystal altar like whatever it is you want to do to try to manifest whatever it is you want if you take no action toward it it's not going to happen that's right that's right and i think that is difficult for people to get their heads around mm-hmm. um, because I think there's a lot of mixed mixed messages, but yeah. that's why I hang on to those those things like we talked about, like you know the state the the story with Kate, mm-hmm. um, because it's just a good reminder that people who find tremendous. By the way, for anybody that doesn't know, John and Kate have had outrageous success. They sure have, but. The only reason that it happened wasn't luck. They didn't get lucky. They worked tirelessly. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they sacrificed so much to make it happen. Um, and that's how they got there. And, and by the way, just because you do that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. There are right alongside John and Kate, there are plenty of people who at the same time were sacrificing plenty and it didn't work. Yeah. So it doesn't always work. No. And that's a hard part. That's the gamble. That's the lotto right there. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So goodness. 
Yep, I guess it's a, um, I'm just looking at my notes. Oh, the only other thing oh, that yeah, I we started is... taking notes because we squirrel so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing I think I didn't say is I don't, this isn't always possible because, but don't spend, don't make financial decisions based upon what you think you'll make next year. Make yeah. financial decisions based upon what's in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the danger of entrepreneurship is it's hard to tell. Yes, yes. It Once again, it's that danger thing, right? So I completely agree because it's one thing to be optimistic about what your income is going to look like in the future, but also like from a, from a business owner standpoint, yes, the business owner will look at things at the 30,000 foot level, you know, they'll look at things in the long term, but yeah, they're not going to spend more money than they currently have in the bank. Like that is <laughs> not a, that is not a smart business financial decision. Because that, especially if you have a team, that doesn't just affect you. That affects the team that you're working with. Right. You know, right. now you're yeah. messing with other people's livelihoods too. And as a business owner, that's not, you don't want to tread into that sticky situation. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. So sure. It's great to have projections, right? It's great to have sure. projections and plans. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how you figure out like, well, what steps do we need to take to get to that point? But at the same time, yeah, putting yourself into debt thinking it's going to be resolved in the future is not the smartest approach to take. Right. And debt is a tool. It is. If a tool. you use it like a tool, it's not a bad don't... thing. Debt is not a bad right. thing. Right. Right. If you, you know just how use to it wisely. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you know how to manage it. Exactly. And if you know what you're doing with it. So, mm -hmm. like, if you have a goal, where debt gets into trouble is, hey, let's go out to eat or, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. That's where debt gets bad. Yeah. And I just want, I want to reemphasize here that um, Renee and I are absolutely not saying that we are the queens of finances. Or oh, hell no. We have our shit together because we definitely no. don't. Like, I for sure do not have my shit together. I have no. made very poor decisions. Um, in the past, probably recently too. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like it, they're all lessons that you learn from. And that's the reason why we share this because it, it's not it's not that we haven't gone through it and we're just talking about things that we're pulling out of our ass. Like we're talking from personal experience. We have made these bad decisions. We have gone through and... Um, you know, we have gone into debt. We have, we have done everything that we have said, don't do. We've probably done it. That's why we're telling oh, absolutely. you don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, let me be very clear too. And, and give a couple of examples. One is I didn't pay cash for my car last year. I financed it because we were making so much money. I wasn't worried about it. The payment just didn't even, who cared? Yeah. And then this year our revenue got cut in 50%. You know, who cares about a car payment now? Let me tell you, yeah. it's Renee. Yeah, car payment's really hurting. It sucks. I'm making the car payment. It's not a problem. But I am not going on vacation this year because uh -huh. I got to make a car payment, you know. Yep. Um, a car payment that wasn't even on my blip of a radar last year. This right. year is like the most painful thing I'm living through. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, 
let's be clear, it is not we're, easy we're not, to we're figure not talking all this from out. a pedestal. Yeah, we are we are yeah, exactly. we have been in in the mud of everything, like trying to claw our way out of it. And you know, we still got a foot and you know, maybe an arm stuck in there and yeah. We, we struggle just like everybody else does. So that that was the whole point of this discussion is that, you know, nobody is immune to these problems. Nobody. I don't care how successful people look. I I can tell you right now that, um, you know, the Jeff Bezos and the Bill and Melinda Gates of the world, they have money problems too. It may not look the same, but it still feels the same. That's you right. know what I mean? Like their, yeah. their situations are probably things we can't even comprehend, but the feeling, the feeling of desperation and anxiety and just fear, they have that too. So nobody is immune from this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is an ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. And my only thing that I hope people will take away from this is to plan for dramatic fluctuations in income if you're going to be an entrepreneur because yeah, dramatic fluctuations are going to be there it's part of the game right it and hurts <laughs> it sucks bad so like you know you expect maybe a 10 or 20 you don't expect a 50 percent right um fluctuation um but when it does happen you want to be able to like wow that sucks yeah you just keep you get to keep going with your business instead of having to give up well because so. once again you've got you've got business owners that are making multiple millions of dollars right but they're probably mm-hmm. only paying themselves like maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars a year whatever whatever is uh reasonable and customary you know according to their right. accountant so right. every accountant is different and that's the other thing when it comes to financial decisions like if if anything the best thing that you can do is invest in a professional, like invest, oh, yeah. even if it's just buying their time, like I will pay for an hour of um, accounting consulting just so I know that I am on the right path, that I'm doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 probably my biggest advice because you asked me earlier, what is my biggest piece of advice that I yeah. would give to somebody that's starting a business? Yeah. Spend money on an accountant. Like do that. If if absolutely you, if you don't spend money on anything else at all, buy an hour of an accountant's time just to make sure your business is set up for success. Yeah, our accountant is our best investment for sure. Absolutely, mine too. They know me too well. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about our kid. Our kid um, is a CPA. She um, is an accountant, but she doesn't do jack for us. Yeah. So yeah, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> we're just her parents. So, we're say, too poor for her. We're too poor for her. A built-in CPA advisor, right? But no. Yeah. No. No. Not at all. No. Yeah. We're way too small for her to ever think about. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty funny to think about that, but it's true. Yep. Yeah. No, the best thing I I could have done was you know, bought one hour of an accountant's time just to be because what I thought I was doing. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing because I read Profit mm-hmm. First, you know, like I read Profit <laughs> First and I listened yeah. to the podcasts that talk about managing money uh, for your business or whatever. But then you sit down and you speak with an accountant that actually will file the taxes for you and they know the tax breaks for your specific industry because that's the other thing. Every single industry has very different 
um, mm-hmm. things that you can write off and very different rules to follow, right? So um, the structure of your business comes into play too, whether you're a sole proprietor or LLC or an S corporation, mm-hmm. like all of those are so different. And the the rules that you, or not the rules, I'm sorry, but the things that you read about in things like Profit First or you know, podcasts like the Mind Your Money podcast, all that kind of stuff. They're very generalized pieces mm-hmm. of advice. And so, yeah, spend the $150, 200 I, I don't know. I, how much do accountants charge per hour? I don't I don't even remember because mine's just on a, like, retainer. So <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, mine just takes the money. I don't, right, I don't, right, exactly, yeah. I don't really know. Like, they just, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just take the money. And yeah. no, but that was probably the best investment that I could have made in my business. And I think it's the best investment anybody can ever make in their business. Even if you are a sole proprietor starting out, go talk to an accountant, please. Like, for the love of God, pray, like, just <laughs> yeah, praying, like, on what is it? Uh, seven pound, three ounce baby Jesus. Just go speak to an accountant. <laughs> That's right. Rub the Buddha belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, everything. we're devolving. Just, yeah, all of We should go. I, need I food. know. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, so. goodness. All righty. Well, thanks everyone for yes. listening again. Um, and yeah, if you have questions for us, like we're always happy to answer them. We would we will answer them on an, another episode or whatever. Um, we'll actually take notes yes um, yes we will do that absolutely okay